0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Aaron, and you're listening to the Hanging with Haney podcast show. Today's episode, which is episode 10, the season finale for the first season of Hanging with Haney, I'm titling it Triple Threat, not only because we're talking about the NBA, about Michael Jordan and his documentary, and one of my favorite topics and games to play, which is pick up basketball but also because you have me, Joe Zagrini, and Mike Crookshank coming together for this one in a million pod. I hope you enjoy. Stay tuned at the end for a final message. All right, welcome everyone to the Hangin' with Haney Show. Today I am joined by two guests this time. First up, we got Jay-Z, Joe the Joe Zagreen Bean, Mr. Joe Zagrini. Welcome, Joe, to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> and second up, we got Mike Crookshank, MC Shank, the crook, Mike Crookshank, Thank you for joining us.
2: Uh, it's great to be here, and thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, we we all three know each other. We're all from very different places, um, but uh, by the grace of God, we were all able to meet down in Austin, Texas, uh, particularly at the University Catholic Center. Uh, Joe and I. Uh, well, we'll get a little bit into how Joe and I met in a sec, but we were both president of the Longhorn Catholic Council there. And Mike is a seminarian with the Paulist Fathers. That was the religious order that I was discerning with as well. Uh, And he's just finished up his last year of theology with them. So congrats, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. And today we're coming together to share one thing, and that is our love of basketball. So... Uh, but before we get into today's pod, uh, just want to, um, uh, take just one moment to recognize a man who is very close to us, uh, Father Rich Colgan, uh, Paulist father who recently passed away due to the COVID-19 coronavirus. Um, and, you know, we offer up prayers for Rich, for his family, for his friends, um, Truly a great man, and we just offer up this podcast in memory of him. So so thank you all for, again, joining me today. And how are you all doing? What What is your situations right now?
1: Um, I'm doing generally pretty well. Uh, Coming off of a surgery, so I can't play any basketball for about six weeks, Mm. uh, which could be worse, I guess. Um, And right now, I'm right in between the end of the school year and the start of my summer internship, which I'll be uh, doing with General Motors, uh, starting next week. Supposed to be in Austin, but we'll be doing it from
0: home this time. Yeah, well, nice. Well, congrats on that. Uh, And Mike?
2: Um, Yeah, I just finished up uh, school a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was now. And I was planning to head to uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan for our uh, our summer assignment, my summer assignment there. Uh, the Paulists uh, serve at the cathedral in Grand Rapids. Uh, unfortunately, I'm uh, still at our seminary in Washington, D.C. Um, we got a case of COVID-19 that came through our seminary here. Um, as Aaron just mentioned, um, one of our uh, Paulist fathers just passed from it, uh, which is really a a sad <clears throat> sad thing for our house and a, a few of us myself included have also uh been infected by it i'm now in the recovery phase so i'm i'm feeling better uh it was really wiping me out but i'm uh i'm doing better not yet ready to play basketball mm-hmm. um although it's not really possible right here right now anyway so
0: yeah I'm right no, yeah. And Mike, you know, if you don't mind, just take a moment to ask a little bit about that, because, you know, right now, you know, states are opening back up across the nation. People are going out. Um, of course, you know, unfortunately, some people have the mindset, you know, if I get the virus, then I get the virus. Um, but, you know, these are obviously people who haven't had it and don't know what it's like. Do you care to share maybe just a little bit about you know the symptoms you're experiencing, or what it's been like for you.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I'd say the 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 most impactful thing about it is just like the it it, it takes away uh, like all of your energy. Or at least that was my experience. Um, everybody has their own experience. Uh, many people have heard the different symptoms: um, shortness of breath, coughing. Uh, fever, loss of taste and smell. Um, sometimes, yeah, other issues. I mean, mine was mostly fever, um, muscle fatigue, a little bit of a cough, but then just like very little energy. Um, and it just took a while. I, it's been about a week and a half, almost two weeks since I first uh, came down with symptoms, and it just, uh, um, it just yeah hits you hits you really hard um and it spreads really quickly as we found out in our seminar, there's uh as Aaron knows there's probably about 35 40 people that live here altogether and so far this in the last week and a half at least 10, 10 of us have contracted covid um, oh my gosh so it really it really can spread um once it once it kind of gets into an area so
0: yeah well, thank you for sharing, Mike, you know, we're praying for your quick recovery and the recovery of, you know, all the men there. So so yeah, please, you know, if you're listening to this, please stay at home. This is not something to to mess around with. And even if you can recover again, there are others out there who can't. So please don't just think of yourself. Think of the others at risk. So, so yeah, well, thank you again, Mike. So, well, now moving on to today's topic at hand, basketball. Um, again, this is one of this is my favorite sport. I'm from San Antonio, so I'm a diehard Spurs fan. Uh, Joe, you're from Houston, so you're ride or die, H down, hold it down, Rockets. And Mike uh, is here from the great city of Boston, and so he, I, yeah, big Celts fan. So. How do you guys feel about, you know, the state of the NBA right now?
1: Well, I, I, I thought when the NBA kind of canceled all of their games, to me, that was one of the first big dominoes to fall and uh, seeing how everything, how all of these other things would happen. I remember, um, you know, even a couple of weeks before uh, the NBA kind of canceled their games, it still seemed like a very foreign uh, disease or experience every to us here and when the nba canceled their games that was it was like okay this is real uh we're gonna have to just, like pretty heavily adjust our lifestyles for it so um i think that'll always strike me as like the, the first big domino to really fall in my mind um and then as for the the state of the nba now i mean there's all sorts of questions related to bringing it back how do you make a fair format so that people can compete in the playoffs if they want to how do you uh, preserve player safety, both in terms of making sure that they don't contract the virus, but also making sure that they don't get injured uh, because they've been coming off of an extended break. Uh, so I think there's a lot of interesting questions that have to be answered before uh, before either the, the return of this season or the beginning of next season. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mike?
1: Uh,
2: yeah, no, I think, uh, like Joe said, the – the suspension of the season was, I think, the first big thing that uh, happened in this country as a result of COVID. And that was like a shock to me. It's like, wow, the season at that point, <clears throat> I think it was just had been suspended for like two weeks or a month. Um, but obviously, that wasn't going to hold up after after the first like week of it. It, it became very clear um, it was going to be much longer than that. And that was really disappointing. As, I mean, as a Celtics fan, the Celtics were having a pretty good year. Um, they're, they've, they've got a pretty young squad, a lot of potential. Um, and uh, I was having a lot of fun watching them. So it was a real bummer when the season got suspended, especially given that a lot of us are stuck inside. That's usually one of the most fun things to do when you're inside is to watch basketball. And uh, we're just, we can't do that. So um, yeah, as, as I'm hearing about <clears throat> what could happen with the season now, I'm I'm hoping it can come back just for those selfish reasons to, to watch. But uh, of course I want everyone to stay safe and healthy as well.
0: Mm, yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, it was pretty crazy that first game, I think the jazz game with Rudy Gobert, you know, and giving the, you know, the report, and, you know, he's kind of blowing the virus off, and then he goes, and he touch all the, you know, all of the reporters' microphones, and then, you know, right before the game starts, you have that doctor run out onto the court, just being like, stop the game, stop the game, because he tested positive, and then, you know, a lot, the majority of the team tested positive, and, I mean, that was just insane, and I think, yeah, like both of y'all are saying, you know, it's, Sports is one thing that people really gravitate towards and it's, you know, unifying. I mean, even though, you know, we all here root for different teams, we love it and we love the competition. And so it is hard, you know, not having that. Um, but I have a question for each of you now. So Joe, do you think the Rockets, well there's two two part question. One, do you think the Rockets before lockdown had a shot, and two. Do you think if the NBA comes back and has some kind of weird, you know, playoff situation that they do have a shot?
1: So I have, I have. Uh, before I give my answer, I have a quick caveat. This year, okay. I've been in graduate school and I haven't followed basketball as closely as mm-hmm. I would have liked. Um, but that said, what I will say is I think that the Rockets under Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey are by and large overrated Mm -hmm. Um, in the sense that, you know, Daryl Morey makes these moves every year where he, he trades for stars. He makes these big trades and and it's always a kind of a big deal uh, every summer. But at the end of the day, the Rockets never got past the Warriors, uh, even with Chris Paul. And that was a team that was together for two years. It feels like he's constantly rotating, which, uh, which, which role players are on the team. So, so to be honest, the Rockets, for the last few years have just seemed like a second round team to me and I think this year probably wouldn't have been that different you know like with them moving Capella um, like yeah it was working for them in the regular season but obviously the playoffs is a different kind of grind and beyond that that sort of lineup just wasn't battle tested you know so I would have expected that uh, they would struggle a little bit in the playoffs um, maybe bowing out on the second or the, the second round of the Western Conference Finals now when it comes to what happens now, I think everything is just a little bit more random. Um, different players have different access to different kinds of facilities. So some players have a gym at home, some do not. And so I think those kinds of things might really have an impact on uh, how they perform when it comes to uh, an NBA comeback, because if people have been staying in shape, they might have an advantage over the people who have really just been stuck at home in quarantine.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And it's interesting your comments, you know, again, on the team and kind of them not being as battle-tested because it did seem like, you know, for for the most part, it, towards the end, that Russell Westbrook, you know, who had been traded from OKC for Chris Paul, it seemed like it was kind of starting the, to gel, that the Rockets were kind of, you know, beginning to find a rhythm. However, yeah, we just don't know. This would have been valuable information for the Rockets to be able to enter the playoffs, and yeah, I think now we'll we'll kind of just have to see. So, uh, Mike, you know, do you have any thoughts on that? Just while we're on the subject,
2: on <clears throat> on the Rockets, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I I I guess I'm kind of like Joe. I, I think they're like a fun team to watch and exciting team to watch they' uh, seem to be like a great um, yeah, regular season scoring team. But when it comes to the playoffs um, it just, their, their style just doesn't seem to translate as well. And um, yeah, I've never, I've never thought that they've, like in the, in the last few years anyway i haven't <clears throat> i haven't thought that they had like a really good chance of going all the way
0: yeah well one thing <laughs> i i agree with you but it is interesting to think of if chris paul hadn't pulled his hamstring and like if we could have seen the rockets going up against you know the raptors last year but i i do think you're you're right it is just kind of their method of play that they're, they're very you know perimeter shooting heavy and so it's just it is a question of whether or not it would have been enough to take them the whole way. I think this year, especially with, you know, LeBron and the Lakers looking so good, even just the Clippers, you know, with Kawhi and Paul George, um, that would have been a tough conference for them. And then after that, they probably have to face the Bucks, you know, or someone in the finals and that would have been an uphill battle. So, yeah. And now, Mike, I have a question for you, which is, I mean, what do you think we're going to see out of Jason Tatum after all this? I mean, leading up to this, we had All-Star Weekend. I mean, Tatum was going off. For those who aren't familiar, Jason Tatum is a player for the Boston Celtics um, who just, you know, has only been in the league for a few years but just exploded after that. I mean, I think it was almost just kind of like self fulfilling prophecy. It was like now that people are kind of finally saying he's he's worthy of that status. He's like, all right, I'm gonna prove it. I'm gonna show you. Um what what do you think we can expect to see after this? And as well after Mike, Joe, I'd love to get your thoughts on it as well.
2: Yeah, I think I mean I think the sky's a limit for him. Uh, he um yeah, like you said, when he was named an All Star this year, and he said this that that really validated him, and and he started performing like an All Star, um, and yeah, the last like month or two before before it stopped, um, you know, he was playing like at near MVP levels even, and I, I think. Um, I mean, I love him. I think the Celtics have one of the questions about the Celtics has been, um, you know, they have some great talent, but who's kind of who's going to be the guy at the end of the uh, at the end of the game to take the shot? And I think Tatum has emerged as that person. Um, as far as like going from here and uh, possibly the summer and then into next season, I think the biggest thing for him is if he continues to weight train. Um, I, I think that was really one of the biggest differences. Like, going to this year, like, his physique, you could tell his, like, his chest and shoulders were much stronger than they used to be. And I think that has just allowed him to take any kind of impact that he gets down uh, near the hoop, um, which only, like, allows him to drive more than he would before because he's, he's able to take that. And the more he drives, the more it opens up the shot, uh, his outside shot. So I think uh, if he can continue to uh, hit the weights and continue to get strong, I think he's just going to continue to get better. Um, and, I, and I hope he does.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: Joe? Yeah, I, I mean, I pretty much agree. I think a lot of players, when they make their first All-Star game, they either – uh, make one or two more and kind of stay where they are and pull back a little bit, or they really make, you know, push forward and take another step. And it seems like, like Jason Tatum is making that step, uh, both making that step in terms of like his skills on the court, but also the work that he's doing off the court, like Mike is saying, uh, this is maybe jumping ahead in the podcast, but you know, if you watch the last dance, one of the most striking things is that one of the biggest things that Michael Jordan did was train his body first, not just work on work on the court. And I think that's something that as the casual fan, um, we might undervalue a little bit that Jason Tatum is definitely doing right now.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it honestly is amazing kind of how he's, he truly has now like grown into the role, if you will. And I think that was, you know, Mike, you'd brought it up. That was one of the problems that the Celtics really faced was like, who's going to be the guy, you know? I mean, they still, they they work great as a team, but at the end of the day, it's just like you have so much talent. You have to run the offense through one person or another. And I'm excited to see what Tatum does. Um, but let me just ask you – I'm going to put it to both of you guys real quick. I think the answer might be obvious, but all right, if, if, you, have to, if you, you have to keep one guy, who would it be between Hayward, Gordon Hayward, Kemble Walker, and Jason Tatum – who you keep in the other two have to go.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean I, I think Tatum's an obvious choice. He's he's I mean Kemba Kemba's a great um, a great point guard. He hits some clutch shots too. Uh, he's a great player. Um, but I I mean I, I would take Tatum and, and and somebody else I'd put in that in that group and I might even put ahead of the other two guys uh, is Jalen Brown. He's, I think he's a, he's a, he's an underrated player on the team. Um, He's incredibly efficient. Like his, I think he has like the second highest shooting percentage in the league after Giannis Uh, and, and he's a great defender. And so anyway, I, I would put Jalen Brown in there, but I think, I think Tatum is, is he's, he's just the guy now. He's just the stud on the team.
1: Yeah, I say that the Celtics need to roll the dice on their youngsters. You know, Danny Ainge has done a great job of keeping them up there as a, you know, as a team by getting good players in every year. But I think they're at the point now where they really have some, some great talent in Tatum and Brown, that if they double down on them and bet on them developing over the next couple of years and kind of building around them, maybe, maybe they trade away their all-stars and take a little bit of a dip in the next year or two. But at the end of it, they might have a championship-caliber team.
0: Yeah. I second both of y'all's opinion. I think, yeah. Jalen Brown was one who I forgot to mention, but yeah, no, you definitely keep him. I think you keep Tatum, roll the dice with them. Um, I mean, Kemba, Gordon, they're, they're both great players, but I still think it's like, yeah, trade, trade, like the the upswing uh, on on these youngsters I think is, is really good. So I agree. We're going to take a short break before we get into the next segment. So, Catch you in a few seconds. Whether you already have a job, are looking for a new job, or are looking to move up in your company, first impressions are key. It's crucial that you are always putting your best foot forward in regards to your image and your brand. That's why I use LinkedIn although linkedin isn't sponsoring this podcast i use them to make sure that i'm representing myself as best as i can when recruiting with potential employers during this time i'm offering my services to help update your linkedin whether it's changing your headline revising your summary or updating your experience descriptions if you're interested in learning more please leave me a message drop me a comment or connect with me on LinkedIn at Aaron Haney. Anyways, back to the show. And we're back. So uh, now that you guys got our takes uh, on the, the NBA currently, uh, I want to also talk about a big thing that happened in the sports world, particularly in the basketball world, which was The Last Dance. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar, you can go back and listen to my last podcast where I talk about it a little bit. Um, but for again, for those of you who don't know, The Last Dance is the 10-part documentary that just premiered on ESPN2 documenting the last season of the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls with the superstar the goat Michael Jordan um and kind of chronicled kind of his whole journey while you know still telling this this kind of crazy last season um have y'all seen the last dance have you guys gotten a chance to check it out uh yeah yeah I I, I've seen
2: I've seen all 10
1: episodes
0: nice Joe have you as have I yeah nice nice well here yeah just uh Starting with Joe, you know what? What are y'all guys' thoughts? What did What did you guys think about it?
1: So I've I have two thoughts. The first thought is I don't know if anybody really works as hard as Michael Jordan worked. Um, even just the like the explanation of of or like when he was when they were talking about his experience on the Space Jam set, trying to come back from baseball and make that full kind of transition while filming Space Jam. It's clear that you know where other people maybe would, I guess. Uh, trade things off for each other. Michael Jordan would just work harder when it was necessary. Um, and I think that's kind of a big thing throughout his career. It was, always, it was always about like whatever is necessary, whether that be working extra hard, putting in extra hours, uh, yelling at his teammates, generally treating people like dirt. Um, I think that he, he just, he, you can tell he's someone who wanted to win at all costs and how that, that, that met some good things about him and also some bad things. And the second thought that I have about it, and this is the more the more salient one, is that this documentary series is wildly irresponsible. You know, it feels like a good portion of it is him just slamming people he doesn't like. You know, when he talks about Isaiah Thomas not shaking his hand, and then he says that, like, that today, earlier today, I saw a headline where somebody dug up a recording of Michael Jordan saying that he asked Isaiah Thomas to not be on the, he asked them to not put Isaiah Thomas on the Dream Team. Uh, even though he said he didn't do that, in the documentary. And there's all these reports of like uh, Horace Grant being mad after the documentary series, Scottie Pippen being mad, uh, Jerry Krause, if he was alive, I'm sure he would be very angry. Uh, moral, and that's like not even to go into the moral considerations about the positive and negative things you say about somebody who's passed away and can't defend themselves. So I think, you know, as a documentary series that's supposed to, in a way, skew it towards Michael Jordan, to me, it seems kind of irresponsible And it seems like they really took some liberties with bending the truth to make him seem like the greatest of all time, which he might be. But if he is, then you shouldn't have to bend the truth to prove it, you know?
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And that was one of my concerns at the start of this was, okay, is this going to be the let's all, you know, throw shade at Jerry Krause, like for this whole documentary. And I mean, in a way it kind of did, but you know, it toned it down, especially as the doc got on. But yeah, you know, that was one of the things, my concerns with it was, okay, you know, he's the one who had to green light this. He has to be the one to sign off on every single episode. You know, is this going to be just completely biased towards him and in a way it was biased but I thought it was interesting how at some times like it did show like his dark side you know it did show the bad sides of Jordan so it was very interesting and Mike yeah uh,
2: a lot of a lot of a lot of thoughts swirling around but I mean one I'll just say like it, it just having it was a godsend. Cause yeah. like I said before, I've been missing watching sports on TV. And so the timing of this, and I think they, I think they actually moved it up uh, for this reason that just to have something uh, what every week to watch was, was kind of the highlight of my week, at least in terms of TV watching. Um, so that was awesome. I, I mean, I'll, I'll also admit that I have a bias towards Michael Jordan because he was playing, uh, during like my prime, like years growing up. So like he, uh, what the champ first championship was 91. I was, I was nine years old and in 98, I was, uh, I was 15, I guess, or 17, 17, uh, no 16. Anyway. Uh, so like that was like when I was like very impressionable, and I remember like I remember the '92 Dream Team so well, like, and I just have such fond memories of that time, and especially of Jordan. So if there's any sort of discussion of the goat, I, I have a bias towards him. Now the 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 documentary itself was clearly biased towards him. I mean, this, this was his project. He he is the one who had to greenlight it. Uh, you know, clearly, I mean, they showed some of his. Uh, some of his darker moments, but uh, at the like, it always seemed to come around. In like, to he he looked good. Like it came around. Like, but he was so great at this, and like all, all the players would would kind of end up saying how great he was. Any um, and he will. I mean, he was. And uh, but the the thing that struck me, uh, and and <laughs> it, it it reminded me. I, I watched recently. I don't know if you guys have ever seen his uh, Hall of Fame induction speech. And the speech is basically just him. He's thanking all these people, but he's thanking them because like they, they, they were like almost, almost like pawns in his competitive like
0: yeah.
2: scheme. Like, like he was like, thank you for you know competing with me. And then I just dominated you. And thank you to this person. Cause I, um, and like these people that just fueled his competitive fire. And it's just so amazing to me how competitive this guy is, still is. And, uh, and, and, and it was interesting. They were talking about some of his gambling issues and he said, like, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competitive problem. And I think that, I think that really is true. Like, I don't know about how much you gambled or how much you didn't, but I think at its root, it, it's a, he, he just, the guy competes so much to the point he's making up stories in his head uh, in order to motivate himself. And that's just like, that's just hard to imagine like that somebody is that like that driven to compete. Uh, I mean, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, no, that is. And I mean, it's like, yeah, the, the making things up in his head is yeah. I have a competitive problem that it was, it was so evident. I mean, he, he competes on just a little list of things, you know, it's, it's insane. So, but now I, my, my last question for y'all on this is, well, maybe one of the last questions I have is, so does this change, you know, a- anything about your view of him simply as a basketball player, you know, personality aside, I mean, like, did this do anything to elevate him in your mind or, you know, like lower him in your mind as just a basketball player purely on skill? What, what, what did this doc do for you, if anything?
1: Well, for me, I think it speaks to, uh, I, I guess th- this might sound like it's belitt- bel- belittling him as a basketball player, but I don't, I don't mean it that way. To me, like Michael Jordan in my mind is less like a, a great basketball player and more just a great competitor. And instead of thinking of him thinking of him as just the greatest basketball player of all time, like the documentary series made me think maybe he's the best competitor of all time. And if he had uh, decided to go with baseball instead of basketball, maybe he would have been one of the greatest baseball players of all time. So just just like watching the whole thing and seeing how there was almost like a switch that he could turn to work harder, to play harder, to to score more points, to defend somebody, to motivate his teammates, like all of that together, I think speaks to a persona that is bigger than basketball, uh, which is something that I guess I had heard people say about Michael Jordan in the past, but until this documentary didn't really make any, it uh, wasn't, it wasn't as clear or salient. to me.
2: Yeah. And I, I and so yeah. what, what, the, what this documentary has caused me to do is like to go down different rabbit holes, especially being home all the time. And, Uh, having some extra time in my hands and just like watching people will, people have put together like little clips or things on Jordan and they'll post them on YouTube. And I've been uh, just checking out some of those and, and looking at some of the statistics that he's had and comparing it to other players. And some of it is just amazing. Like how, how, like one, one thing that just kind of uh, appeared to me after, looking at some of these things, I went back and was looking at, like, in his career, uh, like, I think there were only, like, two seasons in which he wasn't – he didn't win the scoring title or win the MVP of the league or win a championship. And, like, in, like, one of those seasons – I think, like, one was his rookie season. The other might be the season that he got hurt for most of the year. And, like, other than that, he basically was the highest-scoring player – the best player or or the best player on the best team um and it's like uh like that just doesn't happen anymore like right now uh, it doesn't it doesn't happen and um you know there, there's it's hard to it's hard to compare between eras because you know things things are different um but it was just it was that that was amazing to me is was like just how dominant he really was like, I guess I forgot that but it's just he was so dominant
0: yeah no again <clears throat> I, I agree with both of y'all Um, especially like what you had said like just like one of the greatest competitors if not the greatest competitor of all time I mean same if he went into baseball he probably would have been spectacular at that i'm glad he went back to basketball but you know that would that would have been crazy to see too and same with you mike again he was just unstoppable he was unbelievable um on another podcast i listened to you know they talked about how you know once he he dies one day if they just like cut him open and if he has like an enlarged heart or just like Mm -hmm. something like literally just physically about him that just allows him to just do all this all these things that he does so that would be crazy so for me just yeah like you know it it really did help solidify like yeah he's he's one of the greatest to ever play and yeah I would argue like the greatest um but yeah so again if you guys listening out there have not seen it uh please check it out wherever you can I believe it should be coming to Netflix sometime. I think there was a deal with Netflix that they would eventually get it, but don't quote me on that. So Now, anyways, now I know we almost are out of time, uh, but I would like to bring us back to what originally inspired this podcast, which is Pickup Basketball. So Joe and I met in a basketball class in college that was actually our first encounter only after the fact did it happen that we were both catholic and both lebanese uh but still we, we played along there uh that was great as well as mike is a longtime hooper uh he and i at least in dc have a 3-0 and win record at the local court playing two-on-two um Fortunately, don't know if we're going to be able to continue to push forward that record, but at least we're going out undefeated. Uh, but, yeah, pickup is, is one of my favorite games. Uh, real quick before we get into it, uh, for those unfamiliar, we'll just kind of go into how pickup basketball is, is different from regular basketball. Um, you, again, usually pickup basketball is played you know, on a court, you know, whether inside or outside, without referees. Uh, Essentially, there are some different rules. There's spoken and unspoken rules about how you play. Um, Streetball is another name, although not all pickup basketball is, I think, technically streetball. Not really sure on that. But, but yeah, why, why don't we just dive right in? I have some kind of rules here that go along with pickup basketball. Why don't y'all help me talk about them? So usually you don't play always with five on five, like a normal basketball game is. Usually you play around like 1v1, 2v2, 3v3, or 5v5. You could play 4v4, but I mean, that one, it might as well be 3v3 or 5v5. You know, what what are y'all, what do you guys like to play when you're going to the court?
2: Uh, I mean, if I, I guess it depends on who you're playing with. Um, If, if it's a good, um, like if it's a, if it's a good group of players who are in shape, um, then I like running full court. So that that would be usually five, five on five. Um, Just, I get some exercise out of it and uh, um, it's just more fun, I think to run up and down the court. Um, If, if not, um, just cause it, it can get sloppy if people aren't in shape. Um, and then that's doesn't, isn't as much fun. Uh, otherwise, I, I mean, I like playing, uh, either two on two or three on three half court is, is fun too. Um, you know, two on two can be really tiring cause you're basically always like on, on the ball or, or, or just off the ball. Um, so if you really want a good workout, two-on-two two is good as well. Um, but three-on-three uh, three seems to be a good you, – you get enough of, like, uh, enough action, enough team action on three-on-three. On three, you can set pick and rolls and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, it can be really a lot of fun too. So they, they, they all have their advantages, I think.
0: I agree. Joe, what are your thoughts, my man?
1: I am I a, a hardcore five-on-five five guy. I just think uh, – Running up and down the court is something you can't replace. Fast breaks are something you cannot replicate half-court whatsoever. Uh, and and it, there, are, there have been plenty of times when I've played with people who are, uh, who are not in great shape where it does get really sloppy, and those can be pretty frustrating. But in my experience, like, I personally would always prefer to play five-on-five five and just go for shorter games than try and run three-on-three three or two-on-two games. It's just, it just feels good to, like, get out and run and use the whole court uh, and, and to be able to have, like, that proper switch from offense to defense.
0: Yeah, no. I think for I, – I, I agree with both of you. I think for me, the most often I play is two-on-two two just because sometimes it's hard to get a whole squad out to play. And so if it's just you and your boy, you know, again, like I said, Mike and I just roll up to the court. You know, we either join a game with more people, or if it's not enough, you know, we just go at it. Uh, that's pretty fun, and I also think it's just kind of like nice as like a bonding kind of moment. Just like, all right, yeah, like now I could say like Mike and I, we were you know up three and zero on our record, uh, and so that's pretty fun. But I do love getting to play five on five. It's it's a it's a good game, and it's just like you said, not always as tiring. You know, it's it's a little less physically taxing. So. I agree. Um, now, do you, do you guys like playing with random strangers? Like, you just walk up to the court and you're gonna try and find a game, or do you prefer, you know, maybe bring in a squad? Maybe not everyone is in the most shape. Maybe not everyone has that competitive drive. But at least you know you got some homies with you. What do you What do you guys prefer? Well,
1: I'll I'll speak for myself. I'm not actually that great at basketball, so <laughs> I don't feel I don't feel any kind of like right or ability to judge my own teammates on their abilities. Uh, but one thing that I have found is like, if, I'm, if I've am if i had like a long day or a long week, or I need to like clear my head or blow off steam, then just going and playing basketball with random people is like one of the best ways uh, to do it. And one of my favorite ways to unwind. Just because it's like, you you don't really have anything in common with them other than you play basketball. You don't really have to talk to them if you don't want to, but if you, if you want to talk to them, then you can. And... It's also just kind of satisfying like when you do it a few times, especially if you go around the same time every, every time you play. Like, you start to meet people, kind of get to know them, and you, you, you get a sense of like who somebody is on the court without even necessarily knowing their name. And to me, that is like, actually a really rewarding experience. Um, versus you know, going and playing with friends, uh, sometimes, like, sometimes I go to the basketball court to get away from my friends, you know? mm-hmm. yeah. if you know what I'm saying. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a random people kind of guy.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nice. Mike, what about you?
1: Yeah, it's a
2: good question. I guess it would depend on the situation for me, but like, I mean, I have some, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, some friends from uh, friends from home and and friends from college too. That like, like in in yeah, I guess in college especially, we would go uh, like almost every day. We'd go. we like there'd be like three or four of us that would go down to the gym. And just play pickup like there. It'd be basically the same group of like twenty people down there uh, every day, and you know, usually, usually, like if there were three of us, we'd usually be on the same team. And so, like, we we, uh, I mean, we got to know each other's games so well that like we became like a real solid unit, and and that became fun because like you, you kind of you got to grow as like a, a team. Uh, and it just, it's something to like, you know, bond between, between friends. Um, but I, there are times like Joe where it's just like, I'll just, I'll just go down like right now there aren't really, uh, any others that play basketball in the house. So, um, I'll just go down to the local court sometimes and just, who's ever there, uh, is there and, and we'll play and, you know, it's a good workout and, and, uh, you know, you can get to know some people that way and maybe you get to know maybe you keep showing up and they're the same people there and you kind of, um, you know, get to know them and know their games and that's that's always fun too.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Now, again, like I've said, most of this pod, I agree with both of you again because, yeah, sometimes, I, I, I don't know, for myself, I kind of like more random people because like Joe, sometimes it's like, hey, it's just fun, you know, playing. You don't have to talk afterwards you don't have to worry about like ah oh, what are we going to do now et etc cetera, etc cetera. you know it's kind of a little easier sometimes especially if you're tired to tell like strangers no than your friends because you know they won't give you as much like crap for it um, but also just yeah it's like you build camaraderie with them in a way that it's kind of just unspoken and yeah like if you show up to the gym you know the next week the next day whenever you know you're just like oh hey what's up and it's just like yeah, it's just fun, it's casual, and can blow off steam. Um, I I usually, for myself, just prefer showing up with at least one other person, I think that kind of gives me something, a little bit of credibility, that way, you know, my friend and I, we can at least join, and like, you know, add one more, you have 3v3, you know, we have a two-on-two going, you know, we can join a group of five, or another pair to go four-on-four, so for me, it's like me and one other person is my sweet spot. So nice, nice. And just real quick, indoor or outdoor? It's <laughs> a tough one. It is a tough I, one.
1: I, I tend to play indoor more often just because I've, I've mostly been playing in college or grad school where they had indoor courts. But on like a nice 50, 60 degree day where it's like maybe a little bit overcast so the sun's not in your eyes. It's really tough to be playing outside.
0: Mm, Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's my my first instinct would be outside. Uh, I mean, of course, this is all weather dependent, but yeah,
0: um, yeah, of course, of
2: course. (laughs) Assuming it's nice enough to play outside, I do like playing outside. I mean, it's there. It's very different playing inside and outside. Um, Usually, the rims are a lot harder outside. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's like cracks on the court. Um, You know, outdoor balls are usually uh, not as good and harder to dribble. Um, and so like it's playing outdoors is like, if you want to get different than like an actual, uh, official game, like, uh, if you play outdoors, it's quite different than playing like an actual game, which in some ways is kind of refreshing for me. I kind of like just being out there and like, there's a lot of variables that could happen. And, uh, you just kind of roll with it. And it's that, that makes it kind of fun.
0: Yeah, no, I feel yeah. I think for me, I, I my inclination would at first be to go inside, but I think I'm going to have to give it to outside just because I've played at my local parks, uh, you know, many years of my life outside. And there's just some different element. It just seems kind of like literally like, you know, pun intended, the walls kind of just fall away It's just, you know, you're some guys outside just playing, shooting hoops, you know, and and it's it's just good. It's just fun being outside, of course, weather permitting, but who doesn't like a good inside game? You got AC, you got cover, you don't have to worry about anything, you just run it. And so I think both are good. I'm going to give it to outside, though. So real quick, I know we only have Mike for a few more minutes, so I'm just going to go through some things for those who don't really understand pickup or know about it, kind of these kind of intricacies of it. So I'm going to give you guys each one, one to kind of explain. So Mike, can you explain to us what it means to pass or shoot to start or maybe only to pass to start?
2: Um, <laughs> this is funny because this came up recently with you and I um when we were playing two on two uh at the local rec center and I believe you shot the ball you checked it and then you shot right away
0: yeah but made honestly, it which, and, and made it I, I think you that.
2: did yeah, yeah I think you did make it um, honestly i have ne- I have never played that way before. I've never seen it before um that, that you could actually shoot it from the check uh that I've always played you need to pass. Uh, that's the first thing you need to do is pass. Yeah. Um, or could you real
0: quick explain what checking the ball means as well?
2: Oh, sure. I I basically, it just gives the defense an opportunity to like make sure they're set. So you, you just pass the ball to the defending player and they'll, well, theoretically they'll check with their team and make sure everybody's like in the right place and then they'll pass it back. And, and then like, you're, you're good to start that like, that's the way to the, the play starts. And then, um, and then usually what I play is that person then needs to pass to one of his teammates in order for the, uh, for the rest of the play to, to play out the way it does.
0: Yeah. Now, Joe, do you, do you have anything to add on this about pass pass to start or shoot to start? What way do you, do you normally play? What's the norm for you?
1: So I usually default pass to start unless it's two on two because if it's two on two then you're you have to pass to the same person no matter what so um in in the recent past that's how it's been always pass to start unless it's two on two then do whatever you want.
0: Mm -hmm. Now Joe I know Mike you said you don't have too much familiarity with it but Joe do you have a preference do you like the ability to be able to shoot to start or you think no? You know, pure no, play. I think pure pass. Play. I think
1: uh I think it's better to just pass it in to start. Uh it just like it just feels more like inbounding. Um I feel like if mm-hmm. the ball starts off and is immediately live, then it's just it just kinda gives a different sort of rhythm for the game, I guess.
0: Yeah. No, I could see that. I could see that. For me, I just – I think so so much of my life I've played with the option to pass or shoot that just sometimes it's just fun when the guy – I mean, if he's got hot hands and he's just making them, like it is pretty awesome to see him go off. But I see what you guys have to say about it. It's just like, yeah, it, it's more like a real game, more like really inbounding. So it's so nice. Now here, uh, Joe, do you want to explain what make it, take it means?
1: Yeah, so – in a, in a formal basketball game, when one team makes makes a shot or scores, the other team will get the ball. Make it, take it reverses that, where the team that makes the basket gets the ball back. Um, whenever I've played, typically what happens is if we play half court, we play make it, take it. If we play full court, uh, we play trading it off. Um, I don't know why it is that way, but that's just the way it's always been. So yeah. this we, we had like a three-on-three league Uh, during january for my uh for my for grad school for intramurals and it was really interesting because it wasn't make it take it it was you know trade the ball when you score and so there there were so many times when people would would score and then they would get back up as if they're getting on offense because we would all forget that it wasn't make it take it it's just sort of like a standard thing when it comes to half-court basketball
0: (laughs) yeah so nice nice do you guys like playing make it take it or regular basketball
2: I mean at this at this point, uh like half court, yeah. I'm so used to, I'm so used to make a it, ticket it, that it would it would actually feel weird to not. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean of course, like of course, full court you' I mean you've got a you've got a trade yeah. trade possession whenever a uh, basket is scored, but um yeah, I think like when I was really little growing up, I'm, I think I remember us playing like uh, you make it then it goes to the other team, but for whatever reason at some point like make a it take it just seemed to be like always the thing that we did um and again i'm not quite sure why like there's not really there's not really a good reason why we do that but it just it's custom i guess um so if i stopped playing like that it would feel kind of weird at least at first but
0: yeah nice same joe
1: yeah i i'm at I'm the same boat i think i think making it take it is probably not that good like From a a normative standpoint, if we're trying to get moral about it, I think it makes more sense to trade the ball when you score. But at the same time, it just feels so foreign to do that uh, when you're playing half court. So I always just play make it, take it half court.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Same here. Well, here, we're going to go lightning round real quick. I just have three more. And so, Mike, I'm going to throw this one to you. Explain playing by ones and twos.
2: Uh, Okay, so in a regular basketball game, uh, typically – uh, any, there's a three point line, uh, that goes around the hoop in a semicircle more or less. And, uh, if you shoot the ball and make it with inside that line, then it counts as two points. Uh, if you take it, uh, and score outside that line, then it's three. And, uh, so for like, usually for half court, um, and it could be full court as well then you just reduce those by one. So anything inside the line is one point and anything outside is two points. Um, Just as a way, I guess, of like keeping the score at a manageable number.
0: Yeah, great. That's awesome. Uh, Real quick, Joe, you want to explain win by two?
1: Yeah, so this is usually done in games where it's ones and twos, not twos and threes. Uh, Win by two basically means that in order to win the game, you have to either uh get to a certain point so like let's say you're playing to 11. you either have to get to 11 or you have to win by or i guess you have to get to 11 and you have to win by two so if one team were to get to 11 but the other team already has 10 points then you have to keep playing until one team gets a two-point lead on the other team kind of like in tennis or ping pong and uh i guess the idea is just to make sure that you know in close games uh in close games like you kind of figure out who the real winner is or something uh, my personal take is that I prefer that I prefer games to go longer, especially when they're close, because it's kind of rare that you get good close games and pick up, uh, except when there is another team waiting, or there's another group waiting to play. And then I think it's kind of unfair to drag out a game uh, for 45 minutes, just because a team can't close.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And so last question here, and then we'll end the pod, is I'm going to set up this scenario for you. So you guys are down at the court. You're outside. Perfect weather for a game day. You guys are 3v3. It's you and two of your boys. You're all competitive. You're ready to play. You're playing against another team. Loser has to leave the court. They they ask you, what number are we playing to? We're playing by ones and twos. Win by two, make it take it. What number are you guys putting out there to play to?
2: So, uh, it, it was, is it like the last game of the night or last game of the day? Or it's, it's just, just like, it just win, winner stays on the court?
0: Just winner stays. Yeah. So, if you guys don't get this, there's a whole group of other people waiting to play. If you lose this, you have to go find another court.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, usually there's like a court custom, I'll say, uh, that like games will be up to like, if there's people waiting, then let's say it's like up to 11 or up to 16 or 21 or whatever it is. Um, and so then the, the people who are waiting then can come on next. And then if it's like the last game of the night and nobody's waiting and usually like you might go a little bit higher, take a longer game. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily like call a number. I think usually in my experience it's just been like there's some sort of court custom that like it's usually like games go to X amount, uh, so that who's ever waiting can can hop on next.
0: So yeah. No, that's right. And yeah, usually there is kind of the custom, but just in this totally hypothetical, <laughs> nonsensical, you know, time, it, this is just like fate of the world. Like this isn't realistic. <laughs> what number you're calling. It doesn't matter how long the other teams can wait for an hour. You're like, well, I'm going to give this, this is going to be like the game. What number you call out totally your choice. Screw customs, screw, court you know courtesy uh i'll say 16 16 that's the number you're playing yeah. to and joe that's what we're finding i've always played the odd numbers for ones and twos so i'll go 15, 15.
2: Like that's
1: long enough that's long enough so you can't just win on a hot streak uh, on a random hot streak but not so long that if one team is getting blown out then they're just being punished for like too long you know
0: Nice. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the difference of y'all too. i I'm going to put 17 just a little higher, but like right in that sweet spot. I'm glad we all came to three similar numbers. Anyways, Mike, I know you got to go. Joe, you're busy recovering as well from your surgery, but thank you guys so much for being on this pod uh, and yeah, just having this conversation. So thank you guys again. Great.
2: you're welcome great to, great to be here
0: yeah all right well from all three of us here take care we'll catch you next time all right and with that that concludes season one of the hanging with haney podcast show i want to say thank you to all of my friends family and just listeners out there for listening to these past 10 episodes. If this is your first episode, thank you so much for tuning in. Please go back, listen to the other ones. There's some great content in there. Um, and yeah, you know, like Michael Jordan after the end of the season, don't really want to think about what's next at this moment. Kind of just want to celebrate this time, celebrate this journey that we've been on. Um, this has been a great opportunity for me. You know, this was born simply out of, you know, you know, wanting to do a podcast but never really having the time or the energy to be able to do this and you know, thanks to being quarantined for so long, you know, I was like, "Yeah, why not? Let's do this." And once I made the first episode with my friend Erica, I knew that I just had to stay on schedule and put out one each week. Um, And it's been a great long 10 weeks. I've really enjoyed it. So stay tuned uh, for a bonus episode that will come in the future. Uh, But for now, thank you guys so much. Take care. We'll catch you later.